Amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter nine is where we are um, this morning as we are continuing uh, our sermon series simply titled um, Acts the Unstoppable Church. And as you are turning there uh, to Acts chapter nine, I just wanna share a couple things with you real quickly before we dive into our text. Um, number one, just, just a reminder, as Britton mentioned to you already, we have friends day, October 29th, two services at 9 and at 10.45. We want this place filled both services. So that means we want you to ask uh, your friends to come hear um, the gospel message, really. Um, and so please be in prayer for that and who you're going to invite and be ready to come here um, and worship that day. And also we are going to believe, we're believing on that day uh, that it's going to be a harvest, meaning that people are going to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. That's what we're praying and that's what we're believing. Uh, but, but we need your help in this. Um, we do need some decision counselors, uh, which means that at the end of the service on the 29th, we would need husbands and wives, men and women, uh, to be willing to come down front and to counsel those um, who make a decision. If you're interested in that, next Sunday, immediately following the worship service, there's going to be a, a about a 30-minute training for decision counselors. It'll be probably in Beach Hall, but if you're interested in that, uh, just show up for there. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it because we are believing for a harvest. Can I get an amen on that. We are believing for that. And so thank you so much uh, for that. And also one other thing, I did have somebody ask me this morning, um, pastor, how you doing? How's your health doing? Well, for those of you who haven't heard, I've had all my tests. I saw the doctor this past week and I'm still cancer free. Praise God. <clears throat> So, th so thank you for that, God is good. But Acts chapter nine, we are looking at uh, the unstoppable church, uh, much like the Georgia Bulldogs yesterday. And guess what? My Texas Tech Red Raiders. And, are y'all ready for this? Georgia Tech, oh my gosh, there you go. All three of you are happy now, that's good. <laughs> but, but anyways, um, Chase, Harp, I'm sorry. Chase, Kentucky, I'm sorry, we apologize for that. But uh, anyways, but we've been looking at the unstoppable church that ever since Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost, the church of Jesus Christ has been and continues to be what? Unstoppable. There's nothing that can stop the church, amen? Not even what took place this past couple of days ago with what's uh, this war in Israel. Are you paying attention to the news? You need to be paying attention because there are some biblical ramifications of what's taking place in Israel today. And just let me just say this, um, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are pro-Israel. We're pro-Israel. We're pro-Israel because the Messiah is a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. He's the Messiah. And the New Testament tells us as Gentiles, you and I are Gentiles. Now there may be some of you who may have some Jewish heritage in you and that's all good and well and wonderful and thank you for that, but the overwhelming majority of us in here were Gentiles. Praise be to God 
that the gospel came to the Gentiles. Because if the gospel does not come to the Gentiles, guess what? It doesn't come to us. And so we're thankful in God's sovereignty and God's providence and how God orchestrated everything that for whatever reason, uh, the Jews rejected the Messiah. And a great majority of the Jews still reject the Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't believe that the Messiah has come. They're still waiting for their Messiah to come. They're misled. But I'm thankful in God's sovereignty that he said to the Jewish people, since you've rejected me, I'm gonna go to the Gentiles. I'm gonna go to the Gentiles and I'm gonna share my name my gospel, my story, and they're gonna take the name of Jesus. Does that mean that God is done with the Jewish nation, Jewish nation, the people of Israel? By no means. They are still major players in the end times. Um, the church has not replaced Israel. You and I have not replaced Israel. God still has plans for Israel. But what do we do now since, uh, since Israel is being under attack? Well, Psalm 122 says this, that we need to pray for the peace of Israel. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we do that. And in these next coming days, you pray. And here's a couple things I just wanna encourage you to pray about. And I wrote this down early this morning. I didn't know if I was gonna talk about this or not. Um, By the way, just what I'm sharing with you now does not add to my time in Acts chapter nine, I'm just letting you know. All right, everybody good with that? Awesome, awesome. Um, so let, let, me, let, me just, let me just give you a couple things I just wanna encourage you to pray for Jerusalem. Can I give that to you real quickly? I just wrote this down this morning as I came to church and was just thinking and praying about all these, all these uh, things. Number one, um, we do pray that the war would stop. I mean, war's not good, because what happens in war? People lose their lives. And here's the reality, eternity is at stake. And you see that Hamas, they don't play fair. They don't care who they kill. Are you with me? They don't care. Eternity's at stake. Because whatever, once once you've passed from this earth, it's done. Your eternity is set. And so there's people over there in uh, southern Israel and other places that they're facing death, the reality of death today. Pray for, so we pray for the war to end. Two, we pray for the salvation. Listen, we pray for the salvation of the Palestinians, Hamas, Iranians, all the Middle Easterns, including uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people. We pray for their salvation. We pray that they would come to the belief through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit that the Messiah has come. The Messiah's name is Jesus. He is Jesus, the Christ, the Lord, the Son of God, the Son of Man, perfect in every way, who came to pay the penalty of our sins. His name is the Messiah. We pray that people would come under that conviction. We pray for the Palestinians, Hamas, um, the Syrians. We pray that they would be awakened from the delusion of Islam. Muhammad is not the great prophet. He's a false prophet. So we need to understand, church, that what's going on, this is, this is a big deal. And this has biblical ramifications. 
And the command from scripture is for us that we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, number three, here's, here's the third thing I want you to pray for. And I was sharing this with somebody earlier um, this morning. The third thing I want you to pray for is this, that we need to pray that people would get prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming soon. I personally believe it's gonna come within our lifetime. That's my personal belief. I don't know that for a fact. I don't have the date. If I had the date, I would tell you, but then I'd be wrong. <laughs> but we need to be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus comes and he splits the sky, once again, your eternity is set. It's set. So you need to be prepared, and you, moms, dads, sons and daughters, grandparents, you need to get your house in order. I don't mean go clean the bathroom, I don't mean that. What I mean is get your house in order, your heart. Because Jesus is coming. And this is one of the reasons why we're having friend day on October the 29th. Yes, I know it is Georgia, Florida weekend. But there's ever been a weekend to let people know about Jesus, <laughs> right? That's a big game. We all want to know, we're concerned about who's going to win, but what's the reality? It doesn't matter, because Georgia's going to win, Florida. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, does it? What matters is people need to know the Lord. People need Jesus, and so um, we, we need to pray. Can we do that right now? Can, can we do that? Um, just right where you are, just if, next to your spouse, just grab their hand. Um, next to your son or their daughter, just son or your daughter, grab, grab them, draw near. Um, now, I, let me say this as I'm about to pray. I know that you, you may be new to our church or maybe you've been coming for a little while, and, but you may think prayer is uncomfortable. You think that's fine. And please, you know, don't go, oh, I'm never going to go to that church because I have to pray in public. No, 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 no. Just, just know this. God's people are called to pray. If you just want to do that by yourself, that's fine. But let's just, can we just go to the Lord on behalf of, of Israel and Jerusalem? Let's pray together. Father, uh, we come before you this morning, um, and Lord, we were uh, given the news just the other day about the surprise attack on uh, southern Israel by, by Israel's enemies. Father, for all of creation and for all of the, uh, the inhabitants on the earth, there's always been attacks upon your people. From Genesis to Revelation, we see it time and time and time and time again, where Israel's enemies attack them. And Father, I pray this morning that you would protect your land. I pray, Father, as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 83, that you would not be silent and that you would not be still. For behold, O God, your enemies have made an uproar, and those who hate you have exalted themselves. They have made shrewd plans against your people, and they have conspired together against your children. 
They have said, come and let us wipe them out as a nation and let the name of Israel be remembered no more. Father, the psalmist said this, they have conspired together with one mind to wipe out your people and to wipe out all those who represent you. Oh God, as Psalm 83, 13 says, oh God, make your enemies like the whirling dust, like chaff before the wind and let them cease And I pray that you'd bring peace. And I pray that you would open the eyes to the Palestinians, to Hamas, to those who follow uh, Muhammad and Islam. Oh God, open their eyes to the wickedness of their ways and convict them of their truth and may they turn to you, the one true living God. We pray this for the, for the Jewish people as well. We pray that you'd continue to protect them, but oh God, for years they have rejected you. May your people, the Jewish people who you've called by your name, may they repent and turn to you and see you as the Messiah. And I pray, oh God, Then on October 29th here in Brunswick, Georgia in the Golden Isles in the southeast portion of the United States, we pray and we beg and we ask that you would reap a harvest. That our friends and our family members would come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said together, amen, amen. Well, again, That was not a part of the original message, and so minute number one begins now. (laughs) Acts chapter nine. Um, Acts chapter nine. I've titled today's message, Stepping Out of Your Comfort Zone, Um, and I think you understand uh, that that statement that we're called to step out of our comfort zone, but I want us to look at verses 10 through 19 is what I want us to look at um, this morning in Acts chapter nine. As we are, uh, as we're introduced to a, an unknown hero of the faith, and his name is Ananias. Um, as I was thinking about Ananias, if I, could, if I could give a song title to Ananias' story, it would be this, The Danger Zone. Top Gun, anybody with me? Kenny Loggins, anybody remember? Highway into what? Okay, seven of you, wonderful, all right. Because what God does with Ananias is this, is he calls him to go into the danger zone. He calls him to do something that is a risk. He calls him to do something that is extremely difficult and it is uncomfortable, but he calls him to do something for God's name. Now, if if you don't get anything else from the rest of this message, I want you to get this and it's gonna be on the screen for you. I want you, this is what I want you to get. Every Christian is called to step out of their comfort zone. Every Christian, I think it's on the screen, is it? Elton, do I have that in my notes? If not, just pretend you see it on the screen, okay? Every Christian is called to step out of your comfort zone. Everybody in here, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not called, I want you to listen to me, you are not called to play it safe. But I don't know about you, 
Sometimes I like to play it safe. Anybody with me? Anybody with me this morning? But scripture, all throughout scripture, we are called to take a risk. Now you won't see this idea of being a risk taker explicitly stated in scripture, but you'll see verses like Proverbs chapter three, five and six in the Bible. It says, "Is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and what? He will make your path straight. What is the writer of Proverbs talking about in Proverbs three? He's talking about, listen, you need to let God guide you and he's gonna take care of it that he will call you and ask you to do difficult things sometimes. He will call you and ask you to do things that make you feel uncomfortable at times, but here's what you do as a believer in Jesus Christ. You trust him. You trust him with all of your hearts. You don't have to understand God's ways, and and you're not gonna understand God's way all all the time, but you trust him. You lean not on, on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. All throughout scripture, we see men and women stepping out of their comfort zone. Abraham, leave your country, leave your family, go to a place that I tell you, that's difficult. Moses, tell Pharaoh, let my people go, that's difficult. Peter, Jesus says to Peter, get out of the boat. Peter says, okay, and he starts walking out on the boat. He took a risk, he took a chance. Many times, God calls you and I to step out of our comfort zone. It's exactly what it does here in Acts chapter nine, verses 10 through 19. Well, let me read this text to you. We're gonna make some commentary along the way, and then we'll close with three points. And if you're with me this morning, please give me an amen. Amen. Verse number 10, it reads, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here am I, Lord. Now here we are, we're introduced to what I call the man behind the man. This is Ananias who's the man behind Saul. Now that name Ananias should sound familiar to you if you've been traveling with us through the book of Acts. Because in Acts chapter five, we read of a man by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. But what happened to that Ananias? He died. He died because he lied. He died because he lied to the Holy Spirit. Well obviously here in Acts chapter nine, that's not the same Ananias. But what do we know about this man in verses 10 through 19? What do we know about Ananias? We know this, his name means Yahweh is gracious. We know that he is a disciple who who listens to the voice of the Lord. We know that he is a relatively unknown person in the faith. He's actually only mentioned in two chapters, Acts 9 and Acts chapter 22. Uh, We don't know much other than that about him, but here's what we do know. We do know that people loved Ananias. They liked Ananias. Go over to Acts chapter 22, please. Look at verse number 12. Acts chapter two, excuse me, 22 verse 12. Paul is giving his testimony. Now I want you to picture this in your mind. Paul is on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. He is giving his testimony with the religious leaders of the day. He's telling them of his conversion. He's telling them what happens, and then he tells them, pick it up in verse 12, about this man named Ananias. He says this in verse number 12. He says, a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law, which means this. Uh, What that means is, Paul said of Ananias that Ananias loved God's word. 
He was a devout student of the, of the law. It means he read God's word, he studied it, he memorized it, he meditated upon it, he applied it to his life. Ananias was a man of the word. Now what was he reading during that day? It wasn't the New Testament, he was reading what? The Old Testament. But he was a man of the word and he was a devout student and a devout learner of the law. Continue on to verse number 12. He was, a, he was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. Now notice that phrase, well spoken of. It's the Greek word marturio, which where we get our word martyr from, and it literally means a great witness. It means a person of good reputation. This is the same word that is used in Acts chapter 6 when uh, Peter and the disciples selected seven men of good reputation to solve a problem in the church. This is the same word. Ananias was a good man. He had a good reputation. Not only did he have a good reputation, he loved God's word. He was a man of the word and had a great reputation. Now let me just share this with you um, very quickly. Um, One of the reasons, and I believe this, one of the reasons that we as believers struggle in sharing our faith um, is, is we aren't, we lack in one of those two things. Either we are a really, really good person, but we lack being a person of the word of God. Are you with me? Are y'all with me? I feel like y'all are asleep this morning. I really, really do. Are y'all with me this morning? Um, there are some people, believers, who are really, 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 really good people, but, 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 they, but, but they just don't know the Word of God. And you falter theologically. But man, you're a really good person. It's good to hang out with you, but, but, don't, but we don't want you to quote a memory verse because you may not know it. Are you with me? And then on the other side of the coin, we have people who are really, really, really good at knowing the word of God, but you're really not a good person. Are you with me? You're just, doggone it. Let's just point to that person right now. Can you do that? But, but you know what I'm talking about? They know the word, they study the word, but doggone it. <sighs> There's a Greek word for that person. Are you ready? Let me, let me spell it for you, J-E-R-K. That's the Greek word for it. <laughs> do you know anybody like that? We all do. We all do, we've all, and we've all been in that category before as well. But not Ananias. Not Ananias. He loved God's word and he loved people. One of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor is when I'm out and about walking around town or whatever and and people will come up to me and often people come up to me and my wife can testify that people come up to me. Sometimes I don't even know who they are. Um, And uh, they'll come, and this breaks my heart. This has happened. Where they'll come up to me and and they'll tell on you. They'll tell on you. They tell on you by name. And then they'll tell me what you did. 
And usually when they do that, it's because you did something ungodly. And so there I am in Winn-Dixie's, I just wanted to buy some apples. <laughs> and I gotta look at this person, it's typically not a church member, probably not a believer, and I have to look at them and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that somebody who's associated with me, with First Baptist Church Brunswick, and I'm sorry that they're associated with Jesus and they live like that and they did that. I'm sorry. And I'll say something like this, and you know, I'm sorry, we, we all mess up, and we do, and I'm not referencing those mess ups, I'm not. One of my prayers for each one of you, by the way, this is turning into a very pastoral message, I'm just not planning that, but one of, one of my prayers for you, from the youngest to the oldest, uh, from the Hunter Harps of this world to the Ian Shachowski, Shahuskies uh, of the world, on up to the olders, one of my prayers for you is this, that you love God's word and you love people. That you love God's word and you love people. You know, the Bible says there are gonna be two things that exist in eternity. You know what they are? It's God's word and people. I'm a pretty simple-minded man. If those two things are the only thing that are gonna exist in eternity, it just makes sense that we invest in those two things on this side of eternity. This is Ananias. He loved God, he loved God's word, and he loved people well. Again, that was not original part of my sermon. That doesn't add, <laughs> doesn't add. So I'm gonna have to do some subtraction here, but anyways. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Acts 9 verse 11, continue the story. And the Lord said to Ananias, get up and go to the straight street, or the street called straight, and inquire at the house of a Judas. Now by the way, God is using two people's names, Ananias and Judas. You get it? You don't name people Ananias and Judas for obvious reasons, but God in his infinite wisdom and his grace and his kindness is now gonna use two men who have the most awkward names, Ananias and Judas, he's gonna use these two men to pour into Saul who brings the gospel to us Gentiles, only God. Get up and go to the, straight, the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, what you talking about, Willis? You remember? Ananias said, what, are you crazy, Lord? Lord, do you, Lord, do you really know what you're asking me to do, Lord? 
You, Lord, do you understand that you're asking me to do something that gets me out of my comfort zone? Do you understand that, Lord, this is gonna be a risk? Do you, do you get the picture? Paul, Saul, he was a, 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 a murderer. He was bringing threats against people. And now God says, hey, Ananias, you're a follower of me. You go talk to him. <laughs> what would you do? You would say, what are you talking about, Willis? That ain't gonna happen, but look what happens. Verse 13, Ananias said, Lord, <laughs> I, I've, I've heard from many about this man. I've heard from many about this man and how much harm he did to all your saints in Jerusalem. And now, here he is in Damascus. He has authority. He has authority from the chief priest, which is the rulers of the day. He has authority from the chief priest to, to bind all who call on your name. In other words, Ananias is saying to the Lord, Lord, don't you know I follow you? I talk to him. He's going to throw me in jail. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, you're asking me really to risk my life. You're asking me to go from where I am in Damascus, which is about 100 miles north, northeast of, of Jerusalem. You're, you're asking me, I've already left Jerusalem because there's already been persecution. We've already been scattered out from where Jesus was crucified, buried, and then rose, from the third, rose, on, rose on the third day and, and Pentecost. And we've already left that area. We're already out. But here, now you want me. I, I'm doing good. I'm doing good over here in Damascus. And, but we've heard Paul, Saul is coming our way. We've heard, I don't know how, we, how he heard, but he heard, and now you're telling me, me to go talk to, to him? Do you feel the tension in that? Do you feel that tension? That when God ask you to get out of your comfort zone and go talk to somebody who isn't like you. Who doesn't dress like you. Who doesn't think like you. Who doesn't believe like you. Are you with me? One of the things that keeps us from sharing the gospel is that we're afraid to talk to, others, to talk to other people who are different than us. Am I being on, am I being real? It's hard. It's hard. But this is what God says. And look at verse 15, and I love, I love the Lord. This is great. The Lord listens to him. I can just see God up there is going, mm-hmm. Just like a mom or a dad, when you tell your son or your daughter to do something, they kind of push back against it. You just got to go, this is going to be good. And the Lord says to him, I love this. He really says one word in the Greek. He really says one word. We changed it in our English to make it flow just a little bit better. But really the Lord just said to him, Ananias, go. Moms, dads, you ever do that to your children? They kind of push back just a little bit to you, and you just use one word, don't you? What is it? Some of you just say, just leave, just leave. <laughs> he says, go. But then God in his kindness and his goodness gives Ananias the reason. He says, go, verse 15, go, 
for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God tells Ananias why he needs to go. We don't get that all the time, do we? We don't get that. But he does it here for Ananias in verse number 17. So Ananias departed and he entered the house and after laying hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you are coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that sounds like a pretty confident statement, doesn't it? Do you think he was shaking in his boots? You bet he was. He's human. He's human, but he's trusting. He's been taken out of his comfort zone and he's trusting God. Verse 18, God shows up and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized and he took food and he was strengthened well. Let me give you just three application points, things that just stood out to me from this text this morning, and I'm going to do these pretty quickly. Um, but just three things as I was studying this this week, um, I, I, let, me, let me just share these things that I think is important to us when it comes to stepping out of our comfort zone. Because God calls you out of your comfort zone. Number one, stepping out of your comfort zone begins when you hear and answer the Lord's call. It begins with God's call on your life. And which means you've got to hear the Lord. You've got to answer the Lord. Now as we've been talking about stepping out of your comfort zone and and taking risk, we're not talking about being foolish. I'm not talking about, hey, let's, let's go jump off the Sydney Lanier Bridge, that'll be fun. I'm not talking about that. Because that would be costly, that would cost your life. Not talking about that type of risk or that getting out of your comfort zone. What I am referencing and really what this text in the story references is this, is that you hear and answer God's call on your life to do something for him. That you do something for Jesus. And here's what I know, all eyes look at me this morning. Just, I want everybody to look at me for just a second. God has spoken to every single one of you in this room at one point in your life. One, salvation, God called you and drew you, but every single one of you in this room, at one point, you've had the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, come into you, come into your heart, and whisper something to you that you are to do for the glory of God. Can I get an amen on that? Every single one of us. Sometimes we do it, and sometimes we don't. It's all of us. But can I tell you this? That when God speaks to you, that is your invitation from the Heavenly Father to get involved in His work. When he 
when, that, when you get that thought, because you're reading scripture, you're praying, you're loving God's word, you're loving God's people, and you get that from the Holy Spirit, here's what God is saying, because we know this from this text. We know this, that God was speaking to Ananias, God was telling Ananias to do something, at the same time, God is telling Saul to do something as well, but both of them don't know it. And they don't know it until the person of God hears God's call and responds and they connect and they tell the story and they go, wow, God's working. But it's only when you hear and answer God's call. And it's just as simple as this. Hey, will you walk across the room and go talk to your coworker? I'm I'm talking that simple stuff. Where you just call somebody. Say, hey, you know what? I'm just thinking about you for some reason. God has placed you on my heart. Is is anything going on? Bam! It's those simple touches where you as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're so in tune with the Heavenly Father and you're so in tune to His voice, you know His voice, that when that voice speaks, your answer is yes. Stepping out of your comfort zone begins when you hear God's call and you answer it. What did Ananias say? He said, here am what? He said, here am I. That phrase in verse number 10, here am I, that's the calling card of a disciple of Jesus. When God calls you to move, guess what? You move. If God tells you to change jobs and you get that impression, now understand you gotta work all through those things, I get that, but when God calls you to do something, you do it. You don't don't argue with God. How many of you have ever argued with God? Let me see your hand this morning. Okay, hands down. How How many of you have argued with God and won? Let me see your hand go up on that one. It doesn't work, does it? You hear and you answer, just like Ananias. Here's the second thing. Number two is this. Stepping out of your comfort zone requires faith and courage. Amen? It requires faith and courage. Um, when, when God called, I just said this a minute ago, but when God calls you to go somewhere or to do something, you don't always know what's on the other side. But you can trust that if God is speaking to you, then guess what he's doing? He's speaking to somebody else as well. You're not the only one that God speaks to. You're not the only one that God leads. God works on both ends. And so you just need to know that when God speaks and says, you go, to, you go to the house of Judas, well, God, I don't know about that. You go there. I don't want you to lay hands on a man named Saul. Well, God, do you know about Saul? I do know about Saul, but let me tell you something. He changed. Well, God, I haven't seen him change. You trust me. Right? That's just so easy, right? That's so easy. No. Faith and courage. And then here's the last thing and then we're gonna be done. And everybody said amen to that one. Here's the third thing. Stepping out of your comfort zone requires that you believe all men can be saved. 
Now you may say, now pastor, what in the world are you talking about? How does this apply in our text? It's actually very simple. You know Saul, you know his life before his conversion. Horrible of a man, kill any believer, that was him. Here's Ananias, a disciple. God said, you go to the one whom is unlovable. Right? You go to the one who doesn't think like you, who doesn't believe like you, but you go because I have a plan for them. Ananias had to come to the conclusion that God knows what he's talking about and God, know, and God, and God desires that all men can be saved. Which means, which means we must tell all people about Jesus. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, we live in a culture today um, that is very divided um, regarding what a Christian can or cannot do. Are you with me? And some people have gone to the links to say that, well, if you're a Christian, you can't do these things. Um, and, and, and we will believe um, that if you do these things, then you can't be saved. Well, and so we try to save people. Our job as followers of Jesus is to be just like Ananias and obey God. Tell people about Jesus, let the Holy Spirit change them. Let me talk to men for just a second. Men, how many of you have ever tried to change your wife? By show of hands? Let me see if it's worked. Yeah. Doesn't work, men, does it? Ladies, wives, how many of you have ever tried to change your husband? And if that works, raise your hand and all the women's hands go up. (laughs) No, what happens when we try to do these things? What happens? Right? the same way when we disciple people. We bring people to Jesus, we keep them interacting with Jesus, and we let the Holy Spirit convict them and draw them to the right conclusions that are found in the scriptures. Why do I say this? Because we're having a difficult time with Christianity. And I want you to listen, I told you I wasn't gonna go long, but I'm gonna go longer. And, uh, but this is important. Stay with me, just give me just a couple minutes. We live in a culture today specifically related to sexual sins. Sexual sins from adultery all the way to uh, just um, identity issues. We are, that's the issue of this generation. And we have Christians fighting with one another about what that relates to, how, how about them being saved or whatever. Listen. We take people to Jesus. Take them to the gospel. 
We lay hands on them and pray that they receive the Holy Spirit. And then we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work and begin to massage their heart and to begin to change their affections. And if things don't change, they are so mature in the faith that they trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Man, I can't change anybody. I've tried and I'll probably try again. You've tried and you will try again. But the reality is we can never change people. The only person who can change people is Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we as believers, we tell people about Jesus. We give them the hope of Jesus. We give them the glory of Jesus. And then we say, Jesus, you work on their lives. We will walk with them. We will encourage you. We will be with you. But we pray that you become more and more like Jesus. But we want you to know Jesus. Just like Ananias did. After Acts chapter 19, excuse me, after verse number 19, Ananias is off the, he's off the, sta- off the sage. But he came to Paul because he believed all men can be saved. Amen? Amen. Did God save you? Did you deserve to be saved? No. So it is for everybody else. May we as people of God, step out of our comfort zone. And may we take people to Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. We thank you. Thank you for who you are. Um, thank you. Thank you for your, your, your word. Thank you for your truth. Uh, we ask that your word and your truth would just penetrate our hearts and penetrate our minds, and you would conform us into the image of Christ. And Father, we pray just do a work in us May we let the world know about you. May we let the world know that, that, you, that you have a plan for them and that, and that Jesus is coming soon and we want them to know about you. And then Father, I personally want to say thank you for those who are here this morning listening. Thank you. Father, we trust that what has been said and prayed and sung here will not return void. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.